Hey, what is up, guys? Andiana's here. Thank you up first and foremost for clicking on this video here on the Pod Slamajama YouTube channel. Real quickly, before we get into my one on one interview with the vice president of athletics at the University of Houston, Chris Pesman, aka the athletic director, I'd like to remind everybody to go down if you're watching on YouTube and hit the subscribe button. It really helps out the channel. While you're down there, be sure to give this video a like. It really helps us out as we're on our road to a thousand subs. We're really, really close and we're hoping to get over the hump shortly. Of course, this is a big interview with Pesman. We talk about a lot of different stuff ongoing with the University of Houston Athletics as it makes its big jump from the American into the Big 12 Conference, which is just over two months away. Obviously, of course, July 1st is just getting closer and closer. So once again, thank you for clicking on the video. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Standards, how it goes, you know, we know what it takes to get there. I want to be on guard if, <laughs> if I'm honest. Coaches, coach, players, play. You know, and that's a great place to be in your life. We you could care less what other people think. First of all, Chris Pesman, thank you for your time and taking the time out of your day to be able to speak with me, the vice president of Houston Athletics. Now, Chris, Real quickly, is it? Do you prefer the, your title, vice president for athletics, or is athletic uh, director fine? AD's <laughs> fine. Uh, it's you know, yeah, I I'm honored that with the VP title, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm just the athletic director. So AD's fine. That's a lot simpler. <laughs> Definitely, I've always been curious about that, but obviously, I want to talk a lot about uh, the topic of the upcoming season, mainly focusing with with football as you guys are transitioning into the Big Twelve. Yesterday, so we're recording this on Thursday morning, yesterday on Wednesday, April 19th, you guys announced that you had sold more than 5,000 new season tickets for the upcoming season, which is a TDCU stadium record going back to really the launch of the stadium back in 2014. You guys also announced that you sold more than 15,000 total season tickets, which accounts for renewals. Uh, can you talk about first about those numbers and, and what that means for you guys uh, at the as the head of the athletics program for the upcoming Big 12 season and for football? Yeah, it, it, you know, obviously yesterday was a significant milestone for us hitting 5,000. Um, we've been pretty close to it and been hoping to crack that number for about the last week, week and a half. And, um, you know, the best part about this is we still have four months left in our sales cycle getting ready for the fall. And so, you know, as we were building out our budgets, and, and frankly, we've spent a lot of time this last fall focused on building out our five-year look ahead of our performa as we scale into our transition to the Big 12. And that was important for a lot of reasons because that allowed us then to understand what resources we'd have to work with as we continue to invest and grow our, our, our budget and, and, and support our teams, but also walk back the subsidy that you know, we have from campus. So the, the importance of that is, you know, as we look out five years and we continue to build principally um, the, the revenue streams that we're dealing with are, you know, the big blocks that we stare at are obviously conference distribution. The next big spot for us is ticket sales, philanthropic, you know, and then the other revenue streams from multimedia rights, sponsorship, and then the ancillary revenue streams that come after that, uh, concessions, parking, merch, um, third-party events, all those things. So um, as we step back and we were looking back, even going back from when we opened TDECU and we had high points during uh, H-Town takeover with Coach Herman and the energy and success around that program, 
Um, we had never sold since we've been in TDCU Stadium more than 5,000 season tickets. And so our sales goal is we were building out our budget, trying to be, you know, aggressive but not blue sky is 5,100 season tickets. You know, we're going to end up hitting that, you know, probably today, tomorrow, early next week, which is really exciting. And then that re allows us to recalibrate because we hit our budget goal. Now we can really go after our sales goal, which is, you know, trying to get to 7,500 new season tickets sold. And once we hit that, we'll, we'll move the bar again. Um, obviously the strength of that sales effort is coming off the excitement of going into the big 12. Um, you know, the regional components of the, or the regional rivalries that we have, the things that we felt natural with when we we're back in the Southwest conference, you know, fans being able to come down from Waco or Fort Worth, places like that. But those are the things that get our fans excited and they've missed for frankly decades. And we, you know, we just didn't have that where for the last couple of years or decades. And now we're able to carry off draft off of that energy and excitement. And we're seeing it manifest itself in a very, very positive way with our season ticket sales. The best part about this is we haven't even gotten into mini plans yet or single game sales. Those are much further out because we know that there's enough interest and demand that we can focus on season ticket sales and start building our base back up because we've atrophied a great deal uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, you can go back, and we could come up with excuses or rationale or whatever it is, but we haven't been good enough and we got to be a lot better as we prepare to transition to big 12. Well, Chris, I can tell you a pro at this cause you just, it's almost like you're reading off my notes. You went down the list of the questions I was going to ask. Oh, uh, no. but it was not, of... it was not meant that way. I apologize. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Just in terms of kind of following up on that, like you said, a big attribute, or I guess a big credit that you can do to the success you guys have had with season tickets. Like you said, up to this point, we're still early. Um, but kind of, kind of, I don't know if this would be the correct phrase to do it, but how are you guys able to, what's the goal to be able to bottle that and be able to maintain that momentum? You know, once you guys get into the Big 12 and look ahead where, I mean, this is going to be the schedule you guys are going to have for multiple years to come to make sure that those new season ticket holders will not only stay for this season, but for future years. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's the that's the big effort, right? Um, how do we make the game day experience as good as we can possibly make it and be the best version of ourselves um, and also have a product on the field that, uh, you know, in competition that people are excited about and want to support. Um, obviously, you know, we've been successful the last couple of years. I mean, 12 wins, eight wins last year was not as successful as we wanted it to be for a lot of reasons. Um, it just, you know, I think anybody will tell you that, but you know, we're coming off of 20 wins in the last two years. And with that, with the transition to Big 12, you know, there's there's a lot of excitement around here and, and around the program. Um, but I think a lot of it goes back to, you know, what do we look like on the field? Uh, much like basketball, that's a team that people rally around, love to support. Those yeah. kids do it the right way. Um, same thing with football. we got good kids. Uh, you know, how we produce and turn that into winning, that matters. Um, and then also how we deliver the game day experience and we're, we're getting ready to experience something that we haven't really had here in a long, long time, which is game in game out high level competition coming in here with names that people recognize and enjoy watching, you know, so we are spending a lot of time focused on our game day efforts. How do we improve, you know, parking and transportation? You know, the attitude is, is from the time you leave your house to the time you return to your house, how do we do our best to, give a positive experience and, you know, right or wrong, 
once somebody gets on the freeway, you know, in their mind, this is part of their game day experience. And so that goes into making sure that we're working with Transtar and TechStot and the entities around the city to help message that we've got an event on game day, um, that we've got impacts that we can help push out to our season ticket holders or those that are coming to campus to enjoy the event. You know, hey, um, 610s closed because there's traffic, things like that. I mean, it. I'm kind of going broad and granular mm-hmm. at the same time because those are all the things that we're contemplating as we get into and we prepare for next fall. You know, when we load up on campus, we're bringing 40,000 people here. You know, how are we going to park people? You know, right now, Scott Street has got uh, light rail that goes along it. And the, the when the light rail rolls through, that train dictates the lights. So that means that, you know, bringing a lot of traffic in on Scott Street is problematic. Cullen's under construction has been under construction for a long time, as yeah. you know, coming out here. Um, we've been promised. Yeah, we've been promised um, that it'll be done this summer. Um, I can tell you that 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 the intention of that project goes all the way up to the president of the university. Renew knows she's leaning on our on our local officials to make sure that gets done. But the point is, is you'll end up taking probably half the building, which is about 20,000 people, and, and you're going to guide them or navigate them over to the spur right? Spur five, park on that side of campus and then migrate through campus to the stadium. And then what is that experience like? So we're communicating with campus FPNC, which is facilities planning across campus, park and transportation, um, pushing out the information to the deans of their colleges of what to expect when day game day comes. That's the whole point of, you know, athletics is bringing people back to campus and, and having an experience that maybe, you know, and a connection that maybe they've lost or haven't hasn't been um, as readily available to them or to the university over you know months, years, whatever it is, to to bring them back onto campus and get excited about you know the old college they used to go to and find ways to help support it in a positive way. Um, anyway, so the point is get them to the stadium. How do, what does security look like? What does tailgating look like? What does the access path look like? How many points of sale do we have? making sure we staff every point of sale. I mean, the biggest frustration that people have when they come to an event is, you know, manage, not managing expectations, but making sure that they know that you're trying to be as efficient with their time as possible. So when you kind of come up to a queue line at a, at a concession stand, well, if all the registers aren't staffed and the people are waiting in line, it's really easy to get upset. And I would be too. And I am upset when that happens for our fans because we're delaying their their lack of enjoyment from the game because they're standing in a queue line waiting to buy something from us. And that can't happen. And unfortunately it does. And it, it, in some respects, it'll continue to happen. It's just the nature of the event business, but we have to continue to put our best foot forward. So when people show up, we're giving them the best game day experience possible. And that goes into, you know, what kind of music's playing in the stadium? Um, how can we broaden our food offerings? Uh, all those things we're looking at trying to expand upon as we prepare for this fall. A couple of follow-ups to that. First, obviously, just uh, what you just touched on, you guys are looking to be able to kind of, uh, I guess, be able to get as many people as possible, like you said, up to 40,000 to be happy with that experience. How do you guys do that just in terms of, do you guys have like research in terms of the past seasons? Do you guys reach out to season ticket holders, to previous people that show out to games and kind of ask them questions? Or how, how do you guys go about, hey, 
fans really like this, they probably don't like this. Yeah. Um, or how, how do you guys collect kind of that feedback? We, we have multiple ways we get feedback. We do fan surveys, and then we obviously have conversations with our fans. We get direct feedback from people that have had experiences over the course of the game. And then, you know, frankly, we've got a lot of people that are walking around that are watching how the event operations are occurring and, you know, trying to make changes in the moment. Um, we just recently hired uh, JB, who came from Virginia. Uh, he was a longtime facilities and operations veteran there. Um, he's just started about two weeks ago. And part of his sole focus is, you know, we've got a meeting right after this talking about tailgating. What's tailgating going to look like on game day? How do we continue to refine it and focus it and continue to bring more energy into it, knowing that we're going to have more people tailgating on campus? Um, how we're going to handle, you know, RVs that want to park overnight, all those things that we're, you know, we're, we're scrubbing through what we can and can't do to be able to make sure we deliver the best possible experience on game day. Gotcha. And one other thing that I wanted to touch on just in terms of those season ticket numbers, uh, something that you told the Houston Chronicle about a year ago or roughly within the past year was that the goal within a two year window was to get up to 25,000 in season ticket sales. Obviously, like we mentioned at the top, just in terms of being able to reach that 15,000 number at this point early on. One, how confident are you that you guys can still achieve that goal? And, and how would you kind of keep how would you track it if it like in terms of you were to put it where do you feel like you guys are at uh, to be able to meet that goal yeah i get you know we get daily sales reports that show how we're doing on new ticket sales and then the, the renewal process so we've we've got our finger on the pulse of it we our ticket staff has been really aggressive for me fortunately with getting me that information because i want to know where we stand every day and how we're tracking um that's what's exciting about this because previously we haven't had that that response from the market like we're having right now. And again, I, all I can tell you is sitting in this role, I continue to feel the positive pressure from the market of people that are really excited about what's going on and how they're tracking and, and people that are interested and engaged and want to buy in on what's happening here. Um, the question about how you sustain that versus, um, you know, towards our goal right now, I'd say I feel good that we're going to hit our goal. Um, the 25,000 next two years, I think that's a very real, uh, a possible, you know, not possible, a realistic goal that we should be able to achieve and we need to achieve. Part of what we suffered from from a long time is just, you know, we, I don't know how to say this um, other than, you know, our season ticket base just hasn't been strong enough. And, and, and that's a reflection in a lot of ways on just a lot of different things that we have to get better at. But part of, our maturation as department and the way that we're viewed um, and the way that we're con you know, considered in the future. And obviously we're moving in the big 12 and we have greater aspirations to make sure that we're competing at the highest level in the big 12. We have to continue to build our base. Uh, and I'm going to use basketball as an example on the other side of this, Andy, you know, when I got here, we were playing at TSU and coach and Lauren and that staff were doing a great job, everything they could do to go drum up, getting people to go to games, but, we had less than a thousand season tickets in basketball, you know, five years ago. And now we're sitting here today sold out on a season ticket basis with a, a wait list that's over a thousand accounts that are waiting to buy season tickets. So there's there's a there's a positive story there that shows that we can do it and it's very likely impossible and, and we're more than capable of doing it. We've got to reflect that with product on the field the way that we deliver the game day experience and 
combine those two things and sustain them for a couple of years, year over year. And then you'll start seeing that, that season ticket base continue to grow. And the biggest thing that we have to really work against is backsliding. We have to just continue to stack good years on top of good years. And then we're all going to be in a place that we're very happy with in the next three to five years. Definitely that point that you brought up about just a few years ago with where the men's basketball team was. And really, the we all know the story by now of Kelvin Sampson walking around campus with a bullhorn and trying to encourage students to be able to come out to games and support the program at that time. For you, and really this, is, this could stand out for the entire athletics department, but how important is it for you guys to be able to reach the current students on campus to come out and rally around the football team and athletics as a whole? Uh, that's as important as anything will do. And I don't mean it. I mean, I would say it's the important thing, but there's, you know, graduating our kids, um, you know, making sure that we're successful, all those things are, are equally important. But again, the, the whole, uh, you know, one of the primary purposes of athletics is being a conduit for, you know, our current students, our future students and our past students in ways that they can tie back into the university. So every chance we have, to have a student that comes to our game that we can get, you know, um, indoctrinated into intercollegiate athletics is another way that we keep them bound to the university when they move on and they start their professional life. And then our, our people that can turn into donors or supporters of our university. And that can be just somebody that's telling our story to people that are able to contribute to us financially. You know, students are it for us. I mean, Part of the biggest move for us, and this goes back to when we used to play in the Astrodome, it, it's interesting. Playing the Dome for a long time because of the novelty of it was really a huge benefit for us. But in the mid-80s, the, probably about, you know, honestly, about the time I got to school here, the Dome was starting to age out, right? And also, we were dealing with a – we didn't have a large population of students that lived on campus. And so we were losing decade – you know, you go back to the 80s and 90s when we were playing in the Dome. You know, we lost a lot of years of students that weren't ever, you know, able to enjoy U of H sports because that wasn't happening on campus. And one of the big advantages when we moved back onto campus in Old Robertson was just being able to get students to be able to walk across, you know, Scott Street or, pardon me, um, Cullen – and go to games and start experiencing that. And you've seen that growth year over year. And when I first got here, we had a, a marketing firm do basically um, a really deep dive in the marketing assessment of where our people are, what their demographics are, and, and where are we as an institution with our alumni base. And one of the things that's most exciting about where we are today is we are still aging into our alumni base. We're, we're a younger university. And I, I know this is obviously, you know, pretty common sense when, it, when it's said, but to see the stats that are behind it and how we're aging into that demographic and into that alumni base, we're still a couple years away, but it's not that far away where that becomes the more fluent period of their lives where people are in their 40s and they've been used to having football on campus for the last 20 years and they're used to going into games. And now we're starting to see that transition to, hey, they're excited about the Big 12, and that's the group that's coming and buying tickets. So mm -hmm. I, I rambled a lot. I hope I got to an answer that uh, you were looking for with the question that you posed. Sticking, sticking with the, I guess, marketing or branding aspect of it, uh, one of the things that you alluded to going back to the Herman years in football, they had the identity of the H-Town takeover. Uh, the men's basketball team has the For the City kind of moniker. 
Is that something that, uh, again, this might not be as pertaining to you, but do you feel like it's important for uh, a specific kind of moniker brand to be kind of associated with, in this case, like the football team? There's not necessarily a, a, a specific moniker that's that's connecting with the football team. I, I would actually agree, disagree with you. I mean, if you watch their hashtag, it says, you know, the Houston with the us. So that's where mm-hmm. I get Honestly, Andy, these questions frustrate me because these answers are out there if you look and they're already there. And so um, I I guess I'm trying to figure out where this is coming from, why you're asking. No, I'm just asking in general. I'm just curious. Uh, It's fair if if you, you know. No, I just some of those things happen organically, like for Mm -hmm. the city happen organically, the H-Town takeover organically. And I think, you know, if you force those things, they don't necessarily play great. And when they come out, they're going to come out, if, you know, whether it's a tagline or a, or a moniker, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's like, you know, we, the basketball team was doing for the city. And then all of a sudden you see mm-hmm. pro sports teams that are, you know, for the H, you know, after, you know, I couldn't tell you if we we're the first one to do the for the city, maybe in that verbiage or that language, but it resonates and it carries over. And it's something that, you know, that team's rallied around and, you know, it works football the h-town takeover that was a different time and that is a different time you know i said that twice um you know there was a different way that kind of organically came about you know that hasn't we haven't found that message yet with football and i think we'll know it when we do i think if you force it sometimes it's just too contrived and i i don't like seeing that necessarily when especially when teams start stealing you know um or borrowing, you know, whatever marketing slogans, obviously, you know, nothing, very few things are original once you get into this yeah. space. So it's, 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 it's a little funky, but, you know, in my opinion, you know, the, the, the football deal, they've got one, it's, you know, it's Houston with us in it, but it also, to the point I was saying, those things happen better when they're organically, when you try and force them, they don't, I haven't seen them really take off great especially without, and I'm just going to be candid without a lot of money behind it. And, you know, with the marketing budget that we don't have, and I'm not complaining, I'm, you know, the university has been incredibly supportive of us, but the resources we've had, you know, are finite. And at, at certain times we have to make decisions. Are we putting that into our student athletes? Are we putting into the program and coaches salaries and operations budgets, or is it better served, uh, you know, marketing a program, you know, those are the decisions, decisions that, we have to make and that I have to make. And there's times where those resources are better spent somewhere else. Kind of transitioning in to a different aspect. Obviously the Houston rise campaign is uh, the big fundraiser you guys launched last summer. The initial goal when you guys announced was 150 million to be able to raise mainly for the football operations uh, facility, but obviously kind of a, as a upgrade for all of the different sports at UH athletics. Can you give an update on Houston rise and, and how that's going in terms of timeline to, to be able to raise the funds that you guys initially reached out or had the goal for? Yeah, well, that goal is over a two-year period, so we're 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 well on our way. Um, we're doing very well. Um, again, we're we're over a third committed. That number's been out there for a while. For a while. We've got a couple of um, uh, seven and eight-figure um, gifts that we're working on closing that will obviously jump that number up. Um, but you know, the Houston Rise campaign continues to be well received. Um, in many facets, you know, it's, it's interesting. Part of the big 12 transition 
and the the excitement around the Big 12s and the number of corporations that we're talking to that, frankly, weren't necessarily interested in us in the past. And now we're having really meaningful conversations about them coming in at some level of, or of, you know, corporate philanthropic sponsors. Um, and that, that works twofold, you know, uh, the multimedia rights, um, our sponsor agreements, you know, the amount of companies that are coming in in categories that were frankly, <laughs> you know, ones that we just couldn't crack are, are going very well, but specific with rise, you know, we've been focused on the larger gifts at this point. Um, once we get a little bit further along, then we'll start transitioning into the medium and smaller gifts. And that's not really anything other than the do that we're just trying to move the big blocks right now. So, um, and there's certain, those gifts take a little bit longer. So they've been our primary focus. It's not to mean that if somebody shows up and willing to give us money, we wouldn't take it, but we've been, mm -hmm. we've been focused on the seven and eight figure gifts as we know, then we could start stacking those and know how much we need to lean into the, the moderate and, and smaller gifts. But by and large, um, the response from the rise campaign has been exceptional. Gotcha. So, um, just, uh, this isn't specific to the rise campaign, but, uh, TDC stadium, I believe, um, from the Chronicle, there's some, some upgrades that you want to do to the facility uh, as soon as the 22 football season ended and, and really have kind of focused on premium seating. Is there an update you could share on that? Uh, yeah. The 23 season. Yeah. We're adding, um, 10 new suites and two new party decks that'll go on the, um, press box tower side of the stadium. Um, those suites are under construction right now. If anybody's been out to an XFL game, they can see the, the walls are going up. Uh, so we're on track to have that done for this fall. And then just flashing ahead a little bit right after the last football game of the season, you know, we're going to bring in a huge crane and start deconstructing, deconstructing the end zone where the video board is. And, and that construction will start immediately after the season. So we're very excited about the future of TDC stadium. Um, you know, as we are working on and refining the design of the football operations facility, we're, we're not at a point where we can share anything quite yet, but hopefully in the next, um, Sooner than later, I'll just leave it at that. We'll be able to start showing some updated images of what that's going to look like. But everybody's going to be really excited once they see what is coming to TDC Stadium. And and that's what's – everybody's got to – I guess every I say that like everybody thinks about these things. But what we're focused <laughs> on now is, you know, we've got the blocks in place, the bones, the structure is there between the Athletics Alumni Center, Fertitta Center, Guyvee Lewis uh, – Schroeder, uh, Schroeder Stadium and and the Baseball Development Center and TDC Stadium and then IPF. The last big really construction hurdle uh, project, and everybody says the last one, but the real big block that's left is the Football Operations Center. And then from there, everything else will be additive, if that makes sense. It'll be, mm -hmm. you know, at some point, you know, we'll need to do some things to the Athletics Alumni Center once football moves out. This building needs to be turned into an Olympic-only facility. Again, the square footage is here. This building is great, but we just have to repurpose it. You know, we've got an indoor track that's inside, but it's not really set up for spectator use. We've got, you know, bleachers in there, but, you know, how we move around the facility, how we load the bleachers, restrooms, concessions, all those things, that, that building or this building was never contemplated or designed to be a public facility. Um, we've used it that way and we've made it work, but now we need to continue to evolve it. Uh, I mentioned that because... You know, as you think about the football operations facility, as we're attacking that project, this is allowing us to bring in, uh, you know, new suites, new premium offerings, suites, clubs, party deck, 
Um, and what we're what we're looking at is going to be a lot of fun. And we're actually looking at a way where we can it's not going to solve it, but it'll certainly improve um, restroom and concessions on the 300 level. We got a plan to fix that, which I know is a big um, issue for people that are in the upper stance. So they don't have to come down to the main concourses to get those services. So mm-hmm. that's what's coming. We're, we're going to do these things in, in steps as we continue to improve our facilities. The, the good news about this is after we get the FOC done, that'll be kind of the bit last big, like massive project outside of, you know, adding a deck to the stadium, you know, at some point in the moderate future. Gotcha. So the moderate future, is that way in the distance to within, t- winter, um, within 10 years or over 10 years? Uh, you know, it, I, I would answer it a different way. We, it, it starts at the beginning of this conversation. We have to build demand to be able to, to justify expanding the stadium. You know, mm-hmm. people are, you know, you and I, people that are work in this space, you know, we get comments that are thrown at us. Oh, add a deck, do this, you know, yeah. you know, add shade structure to the TDC stadium. <laughs> well, that costs hundreds of millions of dollars and there's no financial return on it that you can directly attribute to the pro- to that project outside of butts and seats. And, you know, it's, it's hard to justify some of those projects without the demand or a direct financial benefit to it. So as you think about, you know, the future of TDC Stadium, as we're building the football operations center, we have made sure that we're not inhibiting future expansion. Um, all the shoring and everything that's in place, the extra footings and piers, and all those things, we're utilizing those as part of this construction so that way we make sure it's, you know, everything we do is, is we're doing it almost like a Lego set. We can add this and then add above it and, and continue to expand. Definitely. That's pretty interesting. Uh, that's a good comparison to, I guess, kind of compare to in terms of uh, a Lego set. Eventually, if the demand is there, you guys just can continue to build. I guess uh, transitioning, and th- these are more just hit or miss questions because I'm generally uh, curious. One of the things that, like you alluded to, there's always uh, fans or people that question about it. This is much more so about Fertitta, but the, the camera angles, and this is something that that's been brought up could you ever see those switching over to where the students are showcased or is that something that can't be done uh, just in terms of how fertita was built out yeah it's about a million bucks mm-hmm. gotcha so yeah it's a, you know it's a resource issue um it's certainly we we'd love to move it but we're moving it because people want to see more stands on a tv image right and <laughs> you know let's Let's no, think right. about what we're talking about, right? So as you know, we sit there and say, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that. Well, the return on that million dollars to to lay the cable to the other side and and the cost to flip it, you know, that million dollars I'd much rather put into, you know, our sports programs. And not that it's not important, it's just not as important as other needs at this point. Gotcha. Uh, kind of the final closing questions, but just in terms of, again, kind of sticking with Fertitta, you mentioned that TDCU can kind of be like that Lego. Could the demand for Fertitta ever grow? Well, I think it might be a point where that could be yeah. expanded. Well, if, if we had if we had opportunities to expand, we would have done it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, what Coach Sampson and, again, the basketball program and the, and the energy around it and the excitement around it continue to drive. I mean, it's interesting, you know, I would not change anything with Fertitta Center, period. I just wouldn't. Maybe flip the cameras if we had contemplated <laughs> that prior. But, um, you know, it's there's not any expansion opportunities there, uh, not without massive cost. And then the cost to do that, the return on it isn't there. I mean, if you know, I've had people 
raise the roof, do those things, add a second, it's not financially viable. You're better off building a new facility. And uh, we're still paying that one off. So I don't think we're going to do that anytime soon. But, you know, there's, there's a philosophy there. And it's something that we need to be mindful of. You know, less is more in this sense of, you know, where we've been and where we are, and not necessarily where we're going, but right now we're able to create a kick-ass environment in a 7,100-seat arena. And, you know, you got to remember where we were five years ago. We had less than 1,000 season tickets in basketball. And I don't think anybody could have seen at that point the, you know, the rocket launch that, you know, Cougar basketball has become. And so, you know, you know, maybe 10,000 seats. I, there's just not a way to get there in the building. The, the only options that we have, you know, is maybe – Maybe, and this is a strong maybe, is if we are able to add some extra floor seats, but those are onesie twosies, not, you know, yeah. thousands. Um, what we continue to do and what we work really hard to do, and that's why you saw our attendance records um, for all time, you know, highest attendance in the building changes. We're just, every time we can get more students in that building, which goes back to your earlier conversation around football and student engagement, we're doing everything we can to never turn a student away. And so we were getting to where we had 12, 13, 14, 1500 students in the student section. And, you know, by and large, the students, you know, they're there looking to just be in the building, have a good time. So, you know, whether they're standing the whole time, they, they're a little bit more accommodating with that. Um, that's where we've been able to kind of edge in and find more ways for our students to get into that building. Because again, the more connection they get to us, the more they enjoy that excitement and that energy the more likely they're going to come back again, the more likely that, you know, as a student, and then the more likely they're going to show up and buy a ticket and come to a game and become season ticket holders. And then hopefully donors to the, the, the department and the university. Right. I remember, I think it was the senior night, the last home game of the season for men's basketball. You talked about how you let a handful of students in that were waiting outdoors. And yeah. like you said that, I mean, it was definitely some great atmospheres this past season. Yeah. We had a know? couple, yeah, we had a couple hundred students outside and we're like, you know, screw it. Let's find a way. Let's get these kids inside. You know, that building was packed. It was rocking. And the more energy we can bring in there, we try, you know, one of the things that's come up before is SRO in the Fertitta center. And we've been doing that. We do a couple hundred uh, standing room only tickets per game. And there's a balance to that. And, and when I explain it, it'll make sense to you. Logically it's just, you know, how much pressure you put on the concourse and then how much pressure that puts on the concession stands and the restrooms, because the first thing that you, You've got a great building, you've got a great experience, and you, you just have to find that sweet spot of how much can the concourse take of people that are just standing around without obstructing people that are trying to uh, pay you know, a, a higher price ticket that are trying to get to concession stands or restrooms and, and not creating, um, not hurting ourselves because we're, we're, we're just stuffing so many people in there that they have a bad experience. Definitely. It's always a balance. Uh, kind of the last question for me, and this is much more like you alluded to, and I don't know how if you could even, you know, proportionally categorize how it, it very well could be a loud minority, but there's definitely people there that we say, hey, maybe we're, our voices aren't heard from a Houston fan base perspective. I don't know if you could call this a pitch, but if you could talk to those people, what would you tell them just in terms of maybe patience or you guys are making that transition to the Big 12? Um, 
if some people would be frustrated, whether it be with how certain sports have gone or anything like that, what would you tell them to, to get them to be patient and support the athletics program, regardless of whether their, you know, personal feelings might be towards how previous seasons have gone? Yeah. It, it, look, at the end of the day, um, we're growing up. You know, I've used this analogy before and I don't know if it's a good one or not, but, you know, we're going from, you know, being teenagers to young adults to, you know, 30 and 40 somethings over the like basically an 18 month period as we're building up to preparing to compete in the Big 12. And, you know, you know, obviously across the board, you want every sport to be successful, Um, you know, every season, every, you know, every game, game in, game out, you want to win everything. Um, and, you know, I know there's some programs that, you know, we have higher expectations for, I do, but there's also a lot that goes into contemplating, you know, what the future of that program looks like. You got to remember, we're not, it's been a couple of years and it's, there's still a, a, a lagging effect that's coming out of COVID about having been shut down and the impact that had on some of our competitive seasons, um, you know, as we prepare to transition to Big 12, there's also, you know, resources, how we're allocating those resources, what we're emphasizing. Um, and I can tell you right now today, we're we're trying to make sure we maximize every revenue potential that we have. Um, the reason that's important is the more money we're able to bring in is the more money I'm able to back reinvest back into our programs that allow us to hopefully continue to elevate their competitive success and their stature. And, you know, we really are looking forward to a strong football season because of the implications of that across the board, fan excitement, energy around the program, because that carries over in every other way. Obviously, we've had, you know, years, the last five years of just high level success with basketball with, you know, four sweet 16s, two elite eights and a final four. And the only reason it's not five is because of the COVID year. Um, and how do you take that energy and then, try and apply that to other sports. And, you know, I'll use volleyball as an example. You know, we were, again, we used to have MCI crowds. It was friends and family, you know, that would be sitting in there. And then, you know, as volleyball picked up steam, you know, we were averaging 1,000, 12, 1,500 people a game, and that place was having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And so we know how to execute. It, it, there's a, it's a combination of executing with competitive success and also just knowing that as we're transitioning to Big 12, the competition is going to be a lot stiffer. And we have to be mindful of finding that balance of, you know, we're still upgrading every aspect of our programs, um, you know, rosters, operations, budgets, um, you know, salaries, um, anything and everything that goes into uh, supporting our programs. You know, part of what we have to continue to do too, Andy, is, you know, we've, we've, we've got a shallow bench, our administrative staff. It's, it's been, we've been doing it, you know, no one, no one should, and I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for us because we want this challenge, but we need, we're, we're bringing on more bodies and you'll hear some announcements of that over the next 30 days that will help build out our administrative team. Because to your point, you know, we have to be very focused on our external efforts, um, particularly around marketing, um, uh, development, how we raise money, how we communicate, how we raise money, um, how we're, being aggressive with maximizing our revenue opportunities. What's our yield like that comes out of game day? What should that revenue number be? I mean, our, our game day numbers on revenue are a fraction of what, you know, we're competing against. So I have to make sure, you know, we used to do 
a football game would be worth, you know, a million and a half bucks to us. Well, in the Big 12, a normal home game is worth about five million bucks to a school. That's the gap that we're focused yeah. on closing. And, and that goes into so many aspects of our operation, ticket sales, the box office, making sure we're staffing those guys appropriately, making sure that we've got access to people that are, when they call in, there's somebody that's able to answer a phone call that can give them answers that can help guide them along the right way. Um, I know this question was focused on competitive, you know, sticking with us. And I guess what I've rambled through is that we're still growing into this. There's a lot of things that we know we have to get better at starting with me and uh, just trust me. Um, there's some things I can't really, I won't, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. Some announcements that we'll have coming sooner than later. Um, and once I say those or those things come out, then I'll be able to expand upon what our expectations are a little bit more. Gotcha. Once again, Chris Pesman, Vice President for Houston Athletics. And thank you for the time that you allotted today to be able to speak with me. And best of luck as a, in the transition to the Big 12. And as always, I mean, feel free to reach out. We have uh, that line of communication whenever whenever um, it need be. Yeah, Andy, appreciate it, man. And uh, I, I really appreciate you being with us from your time with the Cougar and, and being there with Gallery Sports and traveling with us. You're you're you do a great job and I appreciate the time and I appreciate the questions. They're, they're more than fair. And hopefully I gave you enough clarity or some insight into what we're doing. And if I can expand on anything, feel free to follow up. Definitely. will do. Thank you again for your time and uh, see you around. All right, brother. Be good. Take mm -hmm. care. Talk to you soon.